today is the last day of our uh, summer seven-day session. It's the 13th of January 2018. And we're going to take up a koan, the Bodhisattva of Great Compassion, which is from uh, number 89 of the Hekigang Roku, the Blue Cliff Record. And it's a koan that, that um, looks into compassion, not surprisingly, given the title. And it seems appropriate on this last day um, when we're about to return to um, the Saha world with all its stresses and demands. This, this term, Saha world, means the world that is to be endured. Life is not easy. And um, we face all kinds of challenges in our daily lives. In Sishin, we, we create these ideal condi conditions for uh, looking into the mind. And the emphasis in Sishin is on wisdom, on this side of the coin. We have on the altar um, the figure of Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of, of wisdom, um, holding in one hand a sutra book, the Dharma, and in the other, his delusion-cutting sword, the, the sword that cuts away what is an untrue, is afflictive. I could say that outside of Sishina, in our daily lives, the other side of the coin is more to the fore that of um, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, Avalokiteshvara, about whom this koan is. Or, or Samanta Bahadra, who's often paired with Manjushri, either side of a Buddha figure. Samanta Bahadra is the, the Bodhisattva of uh, compassionate action enlightened action in the world, upaya, with skillful means. Of course, wisdom and compassion are equally needed. We're seen as being the two wings of the bird of, of um, the Buddha Dharma. We need both. statement by, by a Tibetan teacher. He says, um, with compassion one has all the teachings. Without the compassion, without compassion one has none of them. Even those who meditate on emptiness need compassion as its essence. So, so even the, 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 the wisdom teachings have compassion as their essence. This is expressed in the Heart Sutra, which when we chant about um, Kanon, the Bodhisattva of compassion, realizing um, the 
the truth of emptiness out of the depths of her prajna wisdom. But in our daily life, uh, which we may, we may think is, is a place that's difficult to practice, we get so many opportunities to practice compassion. And the question um, can arise, well, how do, we, how do we practice compassion in our daily lives? How do we put the insights that we've had in Sushin into practice in our relationships? And, and this, this koan looks a little bit at that. Just read it, I'll read the case. Uh, Ungan asked Dogo, What use does the great Bodhisattva of compassion make of all those hands and eyes? Dogo said, it is like someone reaching back, groping for a pillow with outstretched hand in the middle of the night. Ungan said, I understand. Dogo said, how do you understand it? Ungan said, the whole body is hands and eyes. Dogo said, you have had your say, but you have only said 80% of it. Ungan said, how would you put it? Dogo said, the outside is hands, the inside is eyes. So just um, a little bit of uh, background information first on these, on these um, people who appear in this story. So we have um, um, Dogo and Ungan um, and here we're, we're um, using the Japanese names. So Dogo, his full name is Dogo Enchi, or uh, Daowu Yuanzhi in Chinese. His dates are 769 to 835, so he's right in the Tang Dynasty. And he was a disciple of uh, Yakusan, Yaoshan Weiyin in Chinese, and some people may recognize this name because it appears in our ancestral line. Dogo is perhaps most well known, known as the teacher of Zengen, and uh, from the koan where um, Zengen knocks on a coffin and asks alive or dead, and, and Dogo replies, I won't say, I won't say. Is also a teacher to uh, Sekiso Shishuang. Just a couple of little um, dialogues featuring Dogo. This is an exchange between Dogo and um, his master, Yao um, Yukasan. We use here. This is from Zen's Chinese heritage, and here Andy Ferguson uses the Chinese names. 
so Yao Shan and Dao Wu. One day Zen Master Yao Shan asked his student Dao Wu, Where have you been? Dao Wu said, Walking on the mountain. Yao Shen said, Without leaving this room, quickly speak. Dao Wu said, On the mountain the birds are white as snow. At the bottom of the brook the, sh the fish never stop swimming. Another exchange. Um, Yashan entered the hall and addressed the monk, saying, I have a single phrase that I have never said to anyone. Dao Wu stood up and said, I follow you. A monk asked Yashan, How is Yashan's one phrase spoken? Yashan said, Without words. Dao Wu said, It's already spoken. It's just a little bit about um, Dogo, Dao Wu. Then the other, other person in this koan, Ungan, his Chinese name is Yunyan Tangshan, and his dates are um, 780 to 841. And um, he uh, was also a disciple of uh, Yakusan, Yashan. So these two uh, are brother monks, um, disciples of Yaksan and close friends as well. Ungan uh, Yunyan was, was um, 12 years old when he started to train as a monk. And he started off uh, training under uh, Hyakujang, Zhou, Baijang, Huai Hai in, in uh, Chinese. And he, he trained with uh, Hyakujo for 20 years. And then uh, Hyakujo died. And so at that point, he went and visited many, many teachers and uh, uh, finally found Yakusan. And it was under Yakusan that he came to awakening. Just a little, a little exchange which um, describes this, his awakening. And again, this is using the Chinese names. Yunyan studied under Baijiang Huai Hai for 20 years, but did not meet with the source. In other words, he did not come to awakening did not meet with the source. This is a wonderful expression. Yao Shan asked him, where have you come from? Yunyan answered, from Baijiang. Yao Shan said, what did Baijiang say to his disciples? Yunyan said, he often said, I have a saying which is, the hundred tastes are complete. Yao Shan said, something salty tastes salty, something bland tastes bland. What is neither salty nor bland is a normal taste. What is meant by the phrase, one hundred tastes are complete? Yunyan couldn't answer. 
Yao Shan said, What did Bai Zhang say about the life and death before our eyes? Yunyan said, He said that there is no life and death before our eyes. Yao Shan said, How long were you at Bai Zhang's place? Yunyan said, Twenty years. Yao Shan said, So you spent twenty years with Bai Zhang, but you still haven't rid yourself of rustic ways. One day, when Yunyan was serving as Yao Shan's attendant, Yao Shan asked him, What else did Bai Zhang have to say? He's keeping at him. Yunyan said, Once he said, Go beyond three phrases, and enlightenment's gone. But within six phrases, there's comprehension. Yao Shan said, Three thousand miles distant, the joy can't be felt. Then Yao Shan said, What else did Bai Zhang say? Yunyan said, Once Bai Zhang entered the hall to address the monks. Everyone stood. He then used his staff to drive everyone out. He then yelled at the monks, and when they looked back at him, he said, What is it? Yao Shan said, Why didn't you tell me this before? Thanks to you, today, I've finally seen Brother Hai. Upon hearing these words, Yunyan attained enlightenment. So Yashan here, as is, is, is Yunyan's teacher, keeps um, probing for a point where, where um, Yunyan can enter you can find a way of meeting with the source. And finally, uh, they find it together. Um, Yunyan um, was the teacher of uh, Tozan, Dongshan in Chinese. So he was the um, the uh, grandfather of um, Soto, Cao Dong School. Dongshan founded it, and he was his, his student. So these are two. two um, Brother monks are equals, really, in the Dharma. And then we have these, um, this question that Ungan asks Dogo, what does the great Bodhisattva of compassion make of all those hands and eyes? Great Bodhisattva of compassion, of course, is Kanon, or Kanzeon, Guanyin in Chinese, or Avalokiteshvara in the Sanskrit. Avalokiteshvara means one who sees the cries of the world. One who sees the cries of the world. And there's a there's a story behind these these um, all the hands and eyes. And on, um, in some depictions is shown as having a thousand hands and eyes, arms, and each. Um, a thousand, a thousand arms, and in the palm of each hand, an eye. 
the story grows that um, she looked down and, and regarded all the sufferings of samsara, all the sufferings of our world, and what she saw was so overwhelming that her head exploded. And Amitabha, who was like her, her spiritual father, said that um, Kanon is born from a ray of light emanating from Amitabha. So Abhitama at this point um, put her back together again. Uh, unlike, unlike Humpty Dumpty, he was able to do this. So he took all the pieces, the exploded pieces, and rearranged them into nine new heads. And then because of her, her very strong aspiration to help um, all the beings that she saw suffering, then she, she grew these um, thousand arms, each with an eye in the palm of its hand, in order to be able to um, help all the many beings who are suffering. So these thousand hands and eyes are really um, representing her, her ability to reach out and to empathize Sometimes the, the hands are shown um, each holding different kinds of implements. We, we, could, we could update the image and say she's, she's, um, she could be holding um, a cell phone or a, a hypodermic needle or a camera, a pen, and paper. All the many different ways in which we can respond to suffering. To, to respond in the way needed, in the appropriate way, according to the needs, the individual needs of the situation, all the different methods that are needed to save our beings who are suffering. So, uh, you can contrast this with Manjushri with his one sword. You know, Manjushri's job is to cut away. Just cut, 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 as Basui said. Doesn't need all these different implements. He's going for the, the, the one. But Kanon needs all these different ways, all these different kinds of skillful means to do her work. And the eyes, the eyes and the palms of the hands, um, more than just um, literal eyes, they really, they really stand for our intelligence. our ability to discern what, it, what is needed. In um, <clears throat> the introduction to this 
case by Engo Yuanwu. He says, when the entire body is the eye, while seeing you do not see. When the entire body is the ear, while hearing you do not hear. When the entire body is the mouth, while speaking you do not speak. When the entire body is the mind, while thinking you do not think. He's talking about a particular way of um, responding. When we're when we're we're completely involved, uh, then um, we we see and don't see at the same time. This is um, uh, illustrated by this this image, the answer that that um, Dogo gives to Ungan in, in response to his question: question, what what use does the great Bodhisattva of compassion make of all those hands and eyes? Another way to put it: how do we how do we how does Kanon do her work? And Dogo says, it's like someone reaching back, groping for a pillow with outstretched hand in the middle of the night. When we, when we do this, when we're just adjusting our own pillow, we don't have any thought in our mind except just to adjust that pillow. And in a sense, there's a, there's a kind of eye in our hand that, that, um, that reaches out and finds that pillow and, and pulls it back. It sort of sees in the dark, in a way. But at the same time, it doesn't see, because it's not... It's not uh, aware of itself seeing or doing anything. It's, it's completely unselfconscious. It's like pure action. And that, that's what's being um, talked about here. Going beyond our, our, our thought-created sense of self. There's a story um, in this book, Stories of the Spirit, Stories of the Heart, which um, offers a, offers a kind of illustration of this. train clanked and rattled through the suburbs of Tokyo on a drowsy spring afternoon. 
Our car was comparatively empty. A few housewives with their kids in tow, some old folks going shopping. I gazed absently at the drab houses and dusty hedgerows. At one station the doors opened and suddenly the afternoon quiet was shattered by a man bellowing violent, incomprehensible curses. The man staggered into our car. He wore labourer's clothing and he was big, drunk and dirty. Screaming, he swung at a woman holding a baby. The blow sent Spenters spinning into the laps of an elderly couple. It was a miracle that the baby was unharmed. Terrified, the couple jumped up and scrambled toward the other end of the car. The labourer aimed a kick at the retreating back of the old woman, but missed as she scuttled to safety. This so enraged the drunk that he, had, he grabbed the metal pole in the centre of the car and tried to wrench it out of its stanchion. I could see that one of his hands was cut and bleeding. The train lurched ahead, the passengers frozen with fear. I stood up. I was young then, some 20 years ago, and in pretty good shape. I'd been putting in a solid eight hours of Aikido training nearly every day for the past three years. I liked to throw and grapple. I thought I was tough. Trouble is, my martial skill was untested in actual combat, but as students of Aikido, we were not allowed to fight. Aikido, my teacher said again and again, is the art of reconciliation. Whatever has the mind to fight has broken his connection with the universe. If you try to dominate people, you are already defeated. We'd study how to resolve conflict, not how to start it. So this was the teaching of his Aikido teacher. I listened to his words. I tried hard. I even went so far as to cross the street to avoid the chimpera, the pinball punks who lounged around the train stations. My forbearance exalted me. I felt both tough and holy. In my heart, however, I wanted an absolutely legitimate opportunity whereby I might save the innocent by destroying the guilty. This is it, I said to myself, getting to my feet. People are in danger, and if I don't do something fast, they will probably get hurt. Seeing me stand up, the drunk recognised a chance to focus his rage. Aha! he roared. A foreigner! You need a lesson in Japanese manners. I held on tight, lightly to the consumer, commuter's strap overhead and gave him a slow look of disgust and dismissal. I planned to take this turkey apart, but he had to make the first move. I wanted him mad, so I pursed my lips and blew him an insolent kiss. All right, he hollered, you're going to get a lesson. He gathered himself for a rush at me. A split second before he could move, someone shouted, hey! It was ear splitting. I remember the strangely joyous, lilting quality of it as though you and a friend had just been searching diligently for something and had suddenly stumbled upon it. Hey! I wheeled to my left. This drunk spun to his right. We both stared down at a little old Japanese man. 
He must have been well into his 70s, this tiny gentleman, sitting there immaculate in his kimono. He took no notice of me, but beamed delightedly at the labourer as though he had a most important, most welcome secret to share. Come here, the old man said in an easy vernacular, beckoning to the drunk. Come here and talk to me. He waved his hand lightly. Come here, come here. The big man followed as if on a string. He planted his feet belligerently in front of the old gentleman and roared above the clacking wheels. Why the hell should I talk to you? The drunk now had his back to me. If his elbow moved so much as a millimetre, I'd drop him in his socks. The old man continued to beam at the labourer. What you been drinking? He asked, his eyes sparkling with interest. I've been drinking sake, the labourer bellowed back, and it's none of your business. Flecks of spittle spattered the old man. Oh, that's wonderful, the old man said. Absolutely wonderful. You see, I love sake too. Every night, me and my wife, she's 76, you know, we warm up a little bottle of sake and take it out into the garden. And we sit on an old wooden bench. We watch the sun go down and we look to see if our persimmon tree has got any fruit. My great-grandfather planted that tree and we worry about whether it will recover from those ice storms we had last winter. Our tree has done better than I expected though, especially when you consider the poor quality of the soil. It's gratifying to watch when we take our sake and go out to enjoy the evening, even when it rains. He looked up at the labourer, eyes twinkling. As he struggled to follow the old man's conversation, the drunk's face had begun to soften. His fists slowly unclenched. unclenched. Yeah, he said, I love persimmons too, his voice trailing off. Yes, the old man said, smiling, and I'm sure you have a wonderful wife. No, the labourer replied. My wife died. Very gently swaying with the motion of the train, the big man began to sob. I don't got no wife. I don't got no home. I don't got no job. So much to be ashamed of. Tears rolled down his cheeks. A spasm of despair rippled through his body. Now it was my turn, standing there in my well-scrubbed youthful innocence, my make-this-world-safe-for-democracy righteousness, I suddenly felt dirtier than he was. Then the train arrived at my stop. As the doors opened, I heard the old man cluck sympathetically. My, my, he said, that is a difficult predicament. Indeed, indeed. Sit down here and tell me all about it. I turned my head for one last look. The labourer was sprawled on the seat, his head in the old man's lap. The old man was softly stroking the filthy, matted hair. As the train pulled away, I sat on a bench. What I had wanted to do with muscle had been accomplished with kind words. I had just seen Aikido tried in combat, and the essence of it was love. 
I would have to practice the art with an entirely different spirit. It would be a long time before I could speak about the resolution of conflict. This old man train, he doesn't, he doesn't see the dirt and, or smell the body odor of this, this drunk laborer. He doesn't judge the drunkenness. He just responds. He responds to the situation. First of all, to defuse what looked like it was going to um, boil over into, into um, violence, to, to deflect the, the aggression, and then simply to listen to give, give this guy a chance to unburden himself. So there's both a seeing and a, a not seeing in his response. Seeing the suffering beneath the, the uh, external form. Someone once said, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Everyone we meet is fighting a hard battle. Everyone we meet has um, sorrow that is not apparent to us. Um, somebody called uh, Theodore Isaac Rubin said, the first half of my life, I responded to arrogant people with anger and arrogance. Now I respond to their fragility with delicate care. Or Longfellow who said, if we would read the secret history of our enemies, we would find in each man's life a sorrow and a suffering enough to disarm all hostility. If we, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, what would we discover? Plenty. Enough to, to disarm all hostility. One of the things that... Um, uh, genuine practice, honest practice, um, uncovers our, uh, our own um, sorrows, our own struggles. And if we do work honestly with ourselves, we will, we will come to see these. We will be aware of the own hard battles that we, that we fight inside. And be able to really feel compassionate for the hard battles that others struggle with. Even if we don't know what, exactly what that battle is, we, we sure know that it's there for, for most of us.
So when Dogo says it's like someone reaching back, groping for a pillow with outstretched hand in the middle of the night, Ungan replies, or says, I understand. And then Dogo challenges him, well, how? How do you understand it? And Ungan says, the whole body is hands and eyes. whole body is hands and eyes. This um, this koan also appears in the in the shoyoroku, and in the commentary, Wine Song's commentary. Um, there's a little story told <clears throat> about a mountain a mountain man who sold fortunes, and uh, after rain on the muddy road, he would wear pure white shoes to go into market, and someone asked him. You're blind. How come the mud doesn't soil your shoes? The mountain man raised his staff and said, There's an eye on the staff. So, so there's, a, there's a, an intelligence that, um, that transcends our senses, you could say. It's that goes beyond, even if we're blind, one can have this, this sense. The one song says, the mountain man is proof. When reaching for a pillow at night, there's an eye in the hand. When eating, there's an eye on the tongue. When recognizing people on hearing them speak, there's an eye in the ears. Su Zijan, conversing with a deaf man, just wrote, then he laughed and said, he and I are both strange people. I use my hand for a mouth. He uses his eyes for ears. Um, is this um, interchangeability, you could say, with our senses, this, how we employ this intelligent intelligence. This is... Um, a, um, a popular kind of uh, a, um, an idea that you find in in uh, in Japanese pop culture, um, as some people may have seen the films or I think it's a TV program too about a blind swordsman Zaitoichi, and um, he's 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 appears to be a humble um, masseuse, but then no masseur, and then then he will end up fighting ninjas and evil lords and so forth and how he fights is using his acute hearing and sense of smell but above all his his intuition his gut feeling
fights he fights from his horror. Dogo replies then to, to Ungan's expression of his understanding, the body is, whole body is hands and eyes. He says, Dogo, he, uh, he says, you, you have had your say, but you have only said 80% of it. And then Ungan says, how would you put it? Dogo says, the outside is hands, the inside is eyes. So when we, um, when we work on this, we have, um, have to discern what is being said here, um, and does Ungan's uh, Dogo's statement, the outside is hands, the inside is eyes, is that somehow saying more than the whole body is hands and eyes? And why, why only 80% of it is the second response 100%? From a, from a from a Zen perspective, um, not, no matter what we, we say, uh, always falls short. Can we possibly express the, the um, compassion of Kanon fully? There's no such thing as 100% perfection really in doing anything because there's always um, room for us to improve. But at the same time, we work towards 100% effort, 100% involvement, the whole body involved, the whole mind we, we make an effort to close the gap, to, to dissolve our alienation, to dissolve our, our holding back from life. Franz Kafka said, you can hold yourself back from the suffering of the world. This is something you are free to do. But perhaps precisely this holding back is the only suffering you might be able to avoid. There is there's a joy that we can find in our, in our not holding back. I'll finish with a, just a little, a very short um, story that that uh, illustrates this point. And this is from Tolstoy, from um, his book Master and Man. And it's a story of Vasily, who was a, um, a man who loved wealth, loved himself. Um, and in, the, in a, a certain point, he leaves his servant, Nikita, to die in the snow. But then he has a change of heart and he, he returns to where he is and he lies on him to warm him back to life and then he himself dies. And this is um, these, 
the lines that descri describe his thought as he wakes up for the last time from his frozen sleep before he dies. Yes, he awoke, but awoke a very different man to what he had been when he fell asleep. He tried to rise and could not. He tried to move his hand and could not. He tried to move his leg and could not. Then he tried to turn his head, but that also he could not do. Nikita was lying beneath him, and he was aware that Nikita was growing warm and was coming back to life. It seemed to him that he was Nikita and Nikita he, and that his life was no longer within himself, but within Nikita. He strained his ears till he caught the sound of breathing. Yes, the faint, deep breathing of Nikita. Nikita is alive, he cried to himself in triumph, and therefore so also am I. We can realize through our breaking down of a sense of separation that there is no death, only life on and on, eternal life. We can realize that, that helping is as natural as reaching back for a pillow in the middle of the night. No narrative about a self is needed. Just as um, coming back to the practice when the mind has wandered can be completely clean. No um, self needs to be doing it. Just the breath. Just the koan will stop here and recite the four vows.